What's up, y'all? This is John, and I have Michael Dart back with me tonight to help record this uh, recap of Week 8 in college football, um, which was another fantastic week of college football. We had Clemson and Syracuse go down to the wire, which, if you listened to our episode last week, I called that game. Um, Twenty Tennessee gave up 24 points to FCS Ohio Valley Conference powerhouse UT Martin and the Battle of the Purples, where neither team actually wore purple, which was kind of disappointing. Um, TCU goes down 28-10 to then score 28 unanswered points to close that one out. Um, But before we get started, I know, Mike, you said you're drinking water. I am... Mm -hmm. I got a local Russell's Reserve pick from Habersham Beverage Warehouse. It is, let me find it here, 110 proof. Um, Drinking it for a little bit today. So good, I bought a second bottle. But even if you're in the Savannah area, they sold out of this one months ago. Do not let that take away from the fact that ASW is the finest bourbon made inside of the state of Georgia. Everyone in their front office is a diehard dog fan. All of them are alumni. Just once again, a shout out to them for helping us with this partnership we got going. The only reason I'm not drinking it is t- tonight is because, honestly, I'm out. I drank it all. <laughs> and I got home from the airport about 10 minutes before we started recording, so I didn't have time to get one. Good, good reason. So, yeah, good good reason. No, we <laughs> the airport was a disaster today. Both of our planes, the flight crews changed right before our mm-hmm. flight. And they boarded our flight, our layover flight. So from San Antonio to Houston, they boarded it 20 minutes late, took off 45 minutes late, and we only had a 45-minute layover. So we got off the plane, literally ran halfway across the Houston airport, and there were three people that got on the plane after us. Wow. Like that that's how close we were to not making it to Savannah today. But you know, for all that, and the people at the Houston airport or the um San Antonio airport were not helpful at all understanding what we were talking about. But (laughs) The baggage guys for Southwest at Houston, shout the hell out to those guys. Because like I said, we got off the plane, ran to the other plane, took off in less than 20 minutes, and somehow our bags made it to the other plane and Savannah with us. So I don't care what you think about Southwest. Those baggage guys at Houston deserve a major shout out for finding a way to get that done. Yeah, that, that sounds a lot better than our experience flying um, into Ve- in and out of Vegas a couple of weeks ago. We had two medical emergencies, one on the way there, one on the way back. And um, I thought for sure they were going to we were going to fucking land um, in like Miss like, you know, bu- middle of bumfuck nowhere, like Mississippi or something like that. And like have to, you know, rearrange our stuff. Um, but uh, I mean, it should go without saying I don't ever fly like Frontier. I mean, it's like spirit on steroids. Um fucking awful don't i mean it saved us a ton of money but it just the experience itself not flying delta or southwest it it was not worth it i would have rather paid the extra money to to 
fly direct, but uh, with one of those two instead of Frontier. Never again. So we, when we lived in Atlanta, we used to actually fly Frontier quite a bit because they were the cheapest tickets to go see our friends in New York. And if you've yeah. never flown Frontier or Spirit, which I flew one time because they had $40 per person round trips to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Imagine putting a, an elementary school bus with wings and trying to get across the country. That's being generous. <laughs> the the like seats fucking... on school buses are more comfortable. Can confirm. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. It's like it's like the yeah, it's like the like the desk chairs at an elementary school, like the hard plastic. It's not. It doesn't lean back. Not that I would be a person to lean back in a chair, but it was, it was not comfortable at all. Like I'm not like a huge guy. I'm like six one. Like I'm not gigantic, but I felt like I was like fucking Shaq on uh, <laughs> flying in those seats or sitting in those seats. The, it, you know, it's that old meme about it's it's the Walmart of air of airlines. Oh, you yeah. know, if you have the option, you're not going. But when it's there, you're grateful it is. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. But done talking about airports. If y'all want to hear me bitch about lines from this weekend and at, at the race, <laughs> hit me up afterwards because it was a whole cluster. Um, we're going to get right into it with this Clemson-Syracuse game. And former Mississippi State Bulldog Garrett Schrader outplayed both Clemson quarterbacks. And his only mistake on the day was – it proved fatal. Down late in the fourth quarter, they were driving, and he threw an interception. And to be fair, the only reason Syracuse was in this game is because Clemson had four turnovers. They ended up pulling former Heisman candidate <laughs> DJ Uyunglele in the third quarter because of just the amount of disaster that he was. And I'm honestly surprised that Clemson somehow didn't go up in the rankings this week just because – they're the Alabama that is not Alabama. They can barely win a game and somehow go up half the time. Um, and Clemson's technically still alive in the playoff hunt, and that's a major question. Um, but I think at this point they're going to have to win the conference, stay undefeated just to earn the privilege to lo- to lose in the first round to one of the SEC teams. Would they, If they make the playoff, would they be – like in the in the history of the fourteen playoff, would they be the worst team to make the uh, the uh, the field? I think it would be between this and that Michigan State team. Yeah, they got their ass handed to them for sure. That was that wasn't even fun. I think Clemson would at least put up some points, and yeah. that's that's really the only thing that changes that is I think Clemson would at least get a field goal. I can see that, yeah. So did you watch this one? I I saw bits and pieces of it. We were uh, coming back from our little uh, fall festival that we were doing at school. Um, you know, saw saw the tail end of it. Um, I kept, kept checking, you know, the ESPN app uh, throughout it, seeing, you know, that, you know, Clemson was down at halftime and so on. But as soon as I got home, 
Clemson, you know, they they pulled it out. Now, when they pulled when they pulled DJU, it's not like you know, and his name escapes me right now. Um, their backup, their five star freshman. Um, um, he didn't like the Cade Clubnick. Oh, there we go. Um, he uh, he did, definitely didn't like the world on fire. I think he only had like two completions. Like I, I think when he was in there, like he wasn't. He, he was a stabilizing force, but he was not like light, like leaps and bounds against uh, above DJ, except for the obviously the turnover, uh, you know, department there. But it, it's kind of funny that Dabo went ahead like right after the game and, and made sure like squash any quarterback controversy because I know the Clemson fans that I know are ready to see DJ, you know, just you know pack his bags and get out and do whatever the hell he's going to do um, in, in his future, but. It was interesting to see him doubt, like just douse that right away. I agree, but I think that if Clemson continues to struggle offensively, not giving the kid time to develop before I I'll be honest, I don't see DJU at Clemson next year. So if they don't give this time time to do this kid time to develop, they can definitely struggle next year. Yeah. For sure. So in our next game we're going to talk about, it's Ole Miss LSU. And I think we can definitively say that LSU owns the Death Valley title because Clemson almost lost to Syracuse at home. Meanwhile, unranked LSU beat a top 10 Ole Miss team at home and beat them like a drum. Clemson Mm. has played... Two games at home, two games at home this year against ranked opponents. One was a pick'em, and one as an underdog. They both won those outright. The only home game they have lost this year was to Tennessee, and I don't really think it's much of a question that this LSU team is not the same LSU team we saw a few weeks ago against Tennessee. For the people in the recruiting doesn't matter camp, go back and watch this game, and I. I get it. We talked about it, or we're going to talk about it later this week with Bobby Burchens breaking down the Florida game. Evaluation development also matter. This LSU team is the fifth team in the composite rankings as far as like compiling all of their talent together for this specific team. Over It encompasses multiple classes. They're number five in the country in total team talent. Ole Miss is 21st. And when the depth came into play in this game, you saw why recruiting matters. LSU was able to out-physical Ole Miss down the stretch. They were able to make the Ole Miss defense make mistakes. That's really what brought this game. Um, And LSU comes off of this game with a bye week to then go play Bama on November 5th. That's night kickoff. Um, What are those? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, LSU always gets the benefit of the doubt, and it doesn't matter if you're the reigning national champion who also happens to be ranked number one in the country playing the current number three team. You're still not going to get a night game um, because LSU has drunk Cajuns, essentially (laughs) what that boils down to. Um, Yeah, no, that's kind of my thoughts on this one is – it was LSU's coming out party as far as they put it together a few weeks in a row, and it seems like Ole Miss is finally starting to uh, have the wheels fall off. What about you? 
Yeah, I mean, it, Jackson Dart, you know, finally, like the Cinderella slippers come off a little bit. I mean, obviously, he wasn't necessarily lighting up the world and everything. They've been a very like, run-heavy offense. Um, but uh, very surprising, I mean, seeing the score, like, LSU actually put up points. I think that's the most shocking part of this of this whole thing um, was, you know, how – Know how much they put up on Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss defense is not terrible by any means. Um, they you know greatly improved from last year. Um, one thing you know, kind of a sort of a tangent with that. You know, with uh, you talked about Clemson and uh, you know the fight over Death Valley, which one's the actual Death Valley? Both uh, both teams love to rush the field. Regard, I mean, obviously Clemson <laughs> does it all the time. Um, you know, a team that won the national championship three years runs out there for a possibly overrated uh Ole Miss team that that was a that was a weird look um but it it, it, it was it was it was something I mean Brian Kelly um you know for all the people that said that he inherited like a, a bear cover like you mentioned before LSU having the fifth ranked um like returning team talent or, or like overall like composite you know talent um he, I mean, he's a hell of a coach. I mean, as much as we all, you know, rag on him and everything like that, like he, he, you know, he, he does pretty well. He's not very personable. And he's another guy up there with Jimbo as far as like least likable people, just personality wise. But um, LSU, um, that might be the coming out party. They're tied for, I think they're in, are they in first in the West right now? Because I mean, they've only, I think they're, I mean, I think that's where I saw them at. I think they're number so- one in the West at, at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's just because they've lost to the same team as Alabama and they have more SEC wins. Yeah. Just, dark, just the way I mean, the schedule has played so far. Yeah. Yeah. Not that they're going to win it, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, almost in November that they're, you know, in the top two in the in the West when nobody really thought that would happen after watching the FSU game, you know, on a Labor Day, on a Labor Day weekend. And not to mention, this game is in Death Valley into a night game in Death Valley against Bama. And it seems like these teams are slightly trending in opposite directions. Mm -hmm. So next game we're going to talk about, we're going to go, we're going to go a little, we're going to take a little bit of a tangent on this one. Um, We'll get to that here in a minute. But UCLA at Oregon, the college game day game of the week. And um, for those of you not paying attention, damn, that 46-point win over Oregon looks real good right now. Right? Damn. The only team they have lost to this season is current number one team in the country. They have beaten the only undefeated Pac-12 team. And the way this current – Oregon team is looking they potentially have a shot at the playoff if they win their conference it just depends on how the rest of the country shakes out um and you know I I get it I know I've said this before no team is as good as they are on their best day or as bad as they are on their worst day but when your best day is a 46 point win over a one loss Pac-12 championship favorite and two ranked wins of 15 points or more on the season or yeah, 15 points or more on the season. That is a damn good, good day. And uh, so, actually, I was at the race this weekend with an Auburn fan. I had a couple conversations with him. <laughs> How mad should Auburn fans be right now 
that Gus Malzahn had had Bo Nix, right? Everybody thought Bo Nix was a joke, the whole Bo Picks thing. Um, Father of the Auburn year. had this Bo Nix with Oregon's current offensive coordinator in 2019. Gus refused to let Kenny Dillingham call the plays. But now you've got Kenny and Bo putting together a 78.5% completion percentage game for five passing touchdowns against a UCLA team that was 33rd in the country in overall defense going into this game. That's Oregon, 545 total yards, 10.1 yards per completion. That Bo Nix that had the name Bo Picks for years, every time he completed a pass on average was a first down. I just and I'll let I'll let Mike I'll let you get into your your stuff here, but we're gonna have a conversation about Bo Nix when when you're done with your part talking about this game. I mean that, that was I mean that was a fun game to watch. Um, like like you said, I mean that that the win that Georgia had over Oregon looks you know infinitely better. I mean I mean what when uh, when Georgia beat them you know after week one, what like Oregon almost fell out of the top twenty five. I think they fell to like twenty two or something like that. Um, scratched but, and clawed their way back. Yeah, but UCLA, I, I know they were number uh, what number ten in the country, or number nine in the country, or whatever. Um, I mean, that was I, I never have thought of them as that. Obviously, you know, nobody thought that, or else they'd have more people show up at the Rose Bowl, which baffles <laughs> me that they can't get like casual people to go. Shit, if I was out there in Pasadena, I would I would go to the Rose Bowl just for shits and giggles. Like, oh yeah, what, are they, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? Um, but uh, one of the, this going back to you know staying with UCLA for a minute. Um, I think I mentioned this in our uh, our uh, group chat or group text that uh, UCLA Zach Charbonnet on my uh, fantasy team that or yeah the fantasy team that uh, the league that we're in together um, just blowing it up. If Michigan uh, former Michigan player, um, if we <laughs> and I say we uh, if Michigan still had him, can you imagine that three headed monster that they would have? Between uh, Charbonnet, Blake Corum, and Donovan Edwards, that I mean that that running back room would just be fucking ridiculous. But um, arguably but, second in the country behind Georgia if they had that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, although I'm not a I'm I'm not a um, what was his face? Uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, I'll I'll probably remember it later. Um, <laughs> but I'll probably after the recording I'll remember it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Oregon, I mean, looking good. I mean, I don't know what their competition would be. I know they got, they got rid of divisions out there in the Pac-12, right? So it's just the um, top two teams that make it. Did the they get rid game. of divisions this year? Or is it next year they're getting rid of divisions? I, I thought they did. Let me just double check real quick. Um, you might be right, because a couple weeks ago I looked up the Pac-12 um, standings on their website, and I don't think it had it broken into divisions. Yeah. Um, hmm. nope, it pack? is a free for all this year. Oh, okay, so they okay, so they're doing the round pretty much round robin thing like the pack, uh, like the uh, Big 12 does. Okay, um, and the current standings are number eight Oregon, number 10 USC, number 12 UCLA, number 14 Utah are the top four in the Pac 12. Who would have thought going into this year that they'd have four? top 15 teams at, at any point in the season. 
that's that's uh that's that's surprising i don't know what that says about uh some of the other leagues like like the big 12 i guess at this point but that's 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 incredible for them to pull that out and nobody give a shit on the west coast <laughs> yeah and i think i think it's actually something that you and i talked about in that over under episode we did before the season about how many pac 12 coaches get fired this season yeah and it's looking like not a lot right now. I mean, they've already had a couple lose their jobs, but yeah, Herm, they are looking Herm competitive being the worst this one. year. Yeah. So, is it time for me to go into my Bo Nix rant? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's hear it. All right. Through seven games this year. Yes, Oregon's already had their bye week. Seven games. Bo Nix. 71.5% completion for 1,809 yards, only three interceptions, which we all know what Bo Nix did in the SEC. So three interceptions through seven games is astronomically better than what he was doing. Uh, already through seven games, a career high of 17 passing touchdowns. And then on top of that, you add 382 yards on the ground with another eight touchdowns. Damn. I think if if Bo Nix is not in the Heisman conversation, it's main it's because ESPN has not given this man his recognition. Because he needs to be in New York for sure. If he continues a season like this, I don't see yeah. how you can't put him in New York. And you can say, oh, he hasn't had that Heisman moment, right? Has Bryce Young had a Heisman moment, or has he just had the benefit of winning it last year with generational talent at wide receiver? Exactly. Yep. So I I pulled up the same stats that I just went over. I pulled them up for the – obviously there's no, like, official front runners for the Heisman, but these are the two ESPN-pushed front runners for the Heisman. You've got Hendon Hooker, who – phenomenal season so far. Can't take it from mm -hmm. him. 2,093 passing yards, 70.5% completion percentage, 18 touchdowns in the air with only one interception, another 315 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. So, yes, he has done better than Bryce Young in quite literally every category except for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Or not Bryce Young, Bo Nix. Yeah. Understandably, he should be the Heisman front runner at this point. I, you can't take it from him. Kid's having a hell of a season. And I say kid, he's the second oldest player in college football. The boy is 25 years old. <laughs> he is a man. He's a full-grown man. He is not that much younger than I am, and I am calling him a kid. <laughs> and then you've got last year's Heisman winner, Bryce Young. And... This is actually a conversation I had on Instagram with a uh, content page. Not going to put them on blast because I think it was more of a lack of knowledge than a willful ignoring of the facts. Um, but Bryce Young obviously won the Heisman last year. He deserved it last year. He did have some generational talent wide receiver. He still had his Heisman moments. He still played his ass off all year. Deserved it. I understand he was injured and missed six quarters. Bama has not had their bye week yet, though. That comes this week. So, he has played two quarters less 
than Bo Nix. And this guy has 1,908 yards, 100 more yards than Bo Nix, 66.1% completion, 18 touchdowns, so he's got one more, three interceptions, same amount of interceptions. But on the ground, he has 137 yards and three touchdowns, so significantly less on the ground, only 100 more yards through the air, 4% less completion percentage. And I am trying to pull the stats back up here that I talked about this morning. So, like I said, Bo Nix has played two more quarters than Bryce Young. Oregon's opponents average total defense ranks, so the number of yards they give up, 73 and a half, bottom half of the country, right? So you'd think Alabama plays in the SEC. They've got to play better defenses. Wrong. Average rank of total defense of Alabama's opponents this season, 83.2. And their average margin of victory is one point difference. So you're telling me that Bryce Young, who, granted, he's been the only reason his team has won some of these games, understood. His stats are not better than Bo Nix's, and Bo Nix is not even in the conversation through main, mainstream college football media for the Heisman. And to me, that's just willful ignorance and honestly could hurt Bo Nix's chances at the draft. Because, mm-hmm. like it or not, these these NFL teams pay attention to what people say. They pay attention to Heisman's. And everything will come down to the combine. I get it. But willful ignorance on ESPN's part when they play a lot of these Pac-12 games, especially the ones that Bo Nix has played in because a lot of them have been at night. It just points to ESPN's Alabama bias. And I'm not bitching about it, obviously, for my team, Georgia fan, the ranked number one of the country. Mm. But for the we general health of college, yeah. what's that? So we, uh, you know, we we definitely benefit from that uh, that ESPN uh, help. I mean, as far you know, as far as getting the uh, playoffs in 2017 and then last year. Oh, hundred percent. But yeah. if you're talking about the overall health and trying to bring more parity into college football, ignoring mm. the season that Bo Nix has had is not good for the sport in general. No. No, there's there's got to be a team that falls in love with him at the uh, at the combine. I mean. You know, other people talked about him being the most, you know, uh, Kirby. I mean, even Kirby mentioned it, him being the most like, physically gifted quarterback that he, you know, that they'll play this year or, or, you know, that they may have played, you know, in his tenure there. I mean, he, somebody's going to fall in love with him and think that they can fix whatever problems that they might think that he has, which obviously isn't shown a lot of this year unless he was playing in Georgia. Um, one thing before uh, we go on to the next thing is like, because uh, obviously Bryce Young won the uh, Heisman last year. So we all know that the last uh, highest, that last uh, two-time Heisman winner and the only one was Archie Griffin uh, with uh, Ohio State back in the 70s. Um, obviously, Bryce had, like, incredible numbers last year. And you've you seen a dip. And obviously, he missed a game and so on. His numbers aren't going to be quite what they were last year, obviously, with the, you know, not having, you know, Mechie or, or you know, Jameson Williams there. But uh, Archie Griffin won his second Heisman with – not as good as numbers and, and more carries. Like in 1974, he had 
256 carries, almost 1,700 yards, uh, rushing six six and a half uh, per uh, per play, 12 touchdowns in the following year where he won his second Heisman. He had a few more a uh, few more carries, 1,400 yards, five and a half yards a pop, and four touchdowns, and he still won the Heisman. So there's that that bias as well that could come into play for him if if Hendon Hooker like falls off totally or Bo, Bo is. Uh, ignored so there's there's always that keeping the back uh, back of our minds with uh if anyone's sick enough to bet on like heisman winners even at this point yeah heisman yeah. I, heisman contender had a conversation with this or about this a little bit in the off season um and i said if i was going to put money on a heisman winner in the preseason it would be tyler van dyke and obviously that was a <laughs> terrible pick so I, I was to, steal right there this, to steal this from Connor O'Gara, friends don't let friends bet on Heisman favorites. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. At, at if point. you want to bet on the Heisman favorite the week before, go right on ahead, but you ain't gonna make money. Right. Mm-hmm. So after that, I, off my soapbox, put it in the closet. Just had to get that off my chest because of the amount of people that are saying that the Oregon win doesn't mean anything and that Bo Nix is an awful quarterback when factually, statistically, quantifiably, he is not this season. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go on to Texas A&M, South Carolina. And, I, you know, I texted Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show this right after the game. Major congratulations to South Carolina Gamecocks. This is their first win in program history over Texas A&M. They have lost every single game they have played against A&M since they joined the conference in 2012 with this manufactured rivalry. Major, (laughs) major, major victory, not just for the program, but for the coaching staff, for the players. I understand A&M's terrible, but – to get that monkey off your back is one of the biggest things South Carolina could have done this season. Um, to get into the stats of it, Texas A&M outgained South Carolina by over 100 yards. They outpassed South Carolina by 101 yards. They won the time of possession battle 33 minutes to 27 minutes. If I told you those stats and you didn't know the score, you'd think they won the game. They also threw a 100-yard pick six on the first drive of the game. Their very next drive of the game, they fumbled the ball at their own 36-yard line. Both of those resulted in touchdowns by South Carolina. When you start your first two possessions giving the ball away for 14 points, it's going to be a long night. And then, what, third quarter, fourth quarter, they said – all right, true freshman with literally not a college snap, go go try to win this game for us. Um, spoiler, he did not at all. Didn't come close. It was – he didn't put up he, – he did not put up any sort of a good performance. Like I said, true freshman, never played a snap in college football. It's, it's a bad look. Um, and – Watch out for the South Carolina team. I know we're going to talk about it later in the week with Bobby, but um, South Carolina the last few weeks has beaten a top 15 Kentucky team and an A&M team that they have an eight-game losing streak to. So 
big things happening for South Carolina this year. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on this game, Mike. Yeah, they definitely they definitely exercised some demons the last you know the last two weeks uh, for sure. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of this game because this this was not on my radar whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> I mean that I mean it's a it's a sickos game for sure. Like I I mean not that's why I was watching like, it. <laughs> I mean, it, there's no way that anybody could be having fun watch, <laughs> watching that game unless you put money on it and you were and you were uh, and you were up there. Um, but yeah, South Carolina is such a different team than they were uh, when Georgia played them week uh, week three. Um, and, and obviously, some there's some luck there with you know you know when they played uh, Kentucky not having Levis. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about it you know later on too. But um, that team has just got awful without Will Levis, you know, number one all all world, you know, pick by you know, in the opinion of some, I've I've never understood the hype behind Will Levis. Um, if he was if he was that great, Penn State wouldn't have let him go, or they would have tried harder to keep him. Um, but uh, yeah, I I just I I wonder. I I, I wish that that Georgia was playing A and M this year, so you can try to get an actual A&M fan to talk to because I I don't know any obviously living in you know Savannah and just Georgia in general like there's not too many Texas A&M fans and even if there were they're not going to show their face at this point um or make there their, were a lot of A&M known. fans around uh the Austin San Antonio area this weekend but <laughs> oh yeah I'll be honest sense, yeah. I'll be honest we went to a bar Saturday night um there's a ton of people in A&M gear I wasn't trying to pour salt in any wounds after this game because this game had already ended by the time we got to the bar. I was, was going to yeah. let it be. I was wearing my Georgia stuff, and I was like, I'm just going to let it ride. just going to let it you ride. You know, when, when, we, uh, when A&M played in Athens, what was that, four years ago, three years ago, something like that. It was pre-COVID. It was like that year before. Yeah, the, the A&M fans were awesome that we ran into, we talked to um, Absolutely. while we were there in town for it. They were great. I mean, they – I mean, kind of, I guess if you're in a cult, you have to be, you know, welcoming and try to get more people into it. So that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot of that game. I just wonder with, with, uh, with Jimbo, I, I know obviously that oil money is, is, is deep, but like how, how hot is his seat right now? I mean, did you hear anybody talking about, I mean, obviously there are people talking about it, but did you hear a lot of talk about that while you were out there in, uh, in Texas? I didn't, but, you know, to be fair, we spent, I would almost say a majority of our time in the state traveling to or being at the track where the conversation was much more about F1 than football. And, you know, I would have liked to have the opportunity to talk to some A&M fans or even just some more locals in general. But, man, when I say a majority of our time was spent traveling, like we were staying an hour from the shuttle point, and that hour was oh, wow. easily two with, with race day traffic from everybody trying to get to that. And then on Sunday, Austin FC had their playoff game that night. So even when we were trying to get out of Austin after the race, we ran into that traffic. So we spent quite literally most of our time in the state driving. Ugh. 
Oh. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have for that. Um, who was there uh, anyone worthy of being the cop commander of the game for South Carolina? Um, I want to say Chris put up. Um, wide receiver's name is Leggett. I can't remember his first name. That that, um, that that seems familiar. Yeah, it was Leggett. I know that for sure because, like I yeah. said, we we still Chris Phillips is great. If if you didn't, if you hadn't listened to us before that episode, go back and listen to it. Chris Phillips is probably he is definitely top five um mm-hmm. top two or three people we've ever talked to on the show for just how awesome he's been as far as yeah he's, been, he's like, super talented it, even just after yeah. the show like we'll send questions because obviously he's got a giant podcast that continues to grow so we'll like ask questions and he's been helpful and friendly and, and regardless of the outcome of the game he's an awesome person so if you haven't listened to that mm-hmm. episode go back and listen to it South Carolina mm-hmm. fan or not, you will uh, you will appreciate this guy's passion and just how good of a person he is. Oh yeah. Um, it was Xavier Leggett and hundred hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown and one Beamer tackle. Ball. So it may not <laughs> be he may not even be a wide receiver. I could have got that wrong. Uh, but we won't we won't dwell on that for too long. Yeah. Next game, Kansas State at TCU. Um, and on this podcast, we have become horny lizard believers. We're, we're big purple horny lizard fans over here. Um, Especially at a Christian school with the horns. <laughs> Christian school and they're the horny lizards, horn frogs. I get it. It's still funny. And not only that, they had multiple banners in their stadium that said, give them hell. And it's the <laughs> Texas Christian University. And don't get me wrong, I love the uh, diametrically opposed nature of being, like, supposedly a pious Christian and then give them hell, eat his soul, beat him down football. Like, I, I love <laughs> Take it. Your soul. I'm here for it. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I just – it's funny. Yeah. Going into the second – or sometime in the second quarter, TCU trailed this game 28-10. to 10. And it looked like their, their Big 12 championship hopes, the playoff hopes, looked like it had all disappeared. And then TCU scored 28 unanswered points to win this one, 38-28. And if you listen to last week, you knew to take the over on this game. Um, and just just for my little um, tax on that, we have Zelle, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App. Just let me know, and I will send you that information. I appreciate all the donations. But Max Duggan, Dugan, I'm y'all know I'm awful with names. If you're here, you know that I I barely speak English. He keeps. He finds a way. He finds a way to win these games. He's never had the flashiest stats: eighteen hundred and seventy-one yards, sixty-eight point nine percent completion percentage, nineteen touchdowns, which is a lot. Um, Two seventy-four and four touchdowns on the ground. He's that guy. Like the whole like TikTok reel. Like you're not that guy. Max Dugan is that guy. 
You need a scoring drive. He's got it. You need first down. He's got it. You need a long drive to take time off the clock at the end of the game. He's got it. And his entire career at TCU, he started some games as a freshman. He wasn't the first option. He had he sophomore year, same thing. He wasn't the first option due to injuries. He's played most of the season. Last year, wasn't the first option, played most of the games due to injury. He never been the first choice, always been the best choice. At third straight win over top 25 teams. Their schedule doesn't get any easier. They're at West Virginia, Texas Tech at home, and then they're at Texas, at Baylor, finish the game against, finish the season against Ohio State with 12 overall defense. I just, mm. I think TCU's got a shot to win the Big 12 this year. They've already taken out the other team that has a shot in Oklahoma State. Um, I just, I have found myself turning into a big horny lizards believer. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard hard to argue against that for sure. I mean, um, I think they were definitely helped by not having Adrian Martinez there. I mean, I don't know how the hell Scott Frost fucked up that. I mean, he's played you know so well. I mean, I mean, obviously that's why he's fired, I guess. But like he, they. They've had some luck with TCU. I, I actually I put money on them uh, before the season to win the pack, uh, not Pac-12, the uh, Big 12, um, just from everything that I was hearing, especially with uh, God, what was his coach that the coach they fired last year uh, there forever? Gary Patterson. Patterson, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he's an he's a no, he's at Texas now. He's like an analyst or whatever, right? Um, yes, I think. Yeah. Wasn't they hired Sonny Dykes, who has been. Like, if there's a group of five team that's dangerous over the last mm -hmm. five years, Sonny Dykes was a coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, TCO, I mean, they definitely have the inside track to, at, at, at a bare minimum, play in the, the uh, Big 12 championship. I mean, they're 4-0 right now, obviously, 7-0 overall. Oklahoma State's right behind them. Uh, and then Kansas State there as well. So, obviously, they handed Kansas State that loss there in conference. But. Uh, and they've got the tiebreaker over both of those teams already. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I mean, Texas is essentially done for the most part there. I mean, they're coming in at three and two. But, um, yeah, man, T TCU, I mean, kind of sort of coming out of nowhere, but not not really. I mean, there. I mean, there's a lot of people that I listen to that, that brought up TCU preseason uh, as a dark horse. But, obviously, they're well above the, uh, well in front of the pack right now. Uh, for them and they're I mean they're uh they're an interesting team to watch um not you know not a whole lot of uh household names besides Dugan even though he's not really a household name but you know you get what I'm saying like this is the one person that we can name off that team um but that I mean in Kansas State too like it, it's it's incredible what they've been able to do um after Snyder's retired obviously he was their coach since like the end of the Civil War like that man is old as dirt and I think he's still alive <laughs> Um, but he, uh, but for them to just like, again, just come out of nowhere. Like they're another one of those like super Midwest teams that like, they don't recruit particularly well, but they, they maximize talent on like, you know, kind of the anti Iowa, at least this year, um, from what Iowa usually is. I mean, they usually develop it pretty decently, at least, at least they're competitive, have an offense, but Kansas state, um, definitely has been a surprise this year. And, um, it's, it's been interesting, but yeah, TCU definitely, definitely one of the pack. Uh, you say Pac twelve, 
it might, it might be the same thing eventually in a few years, but um, yeah, it's been, yeah. And that definitely think the TCO that, wins a big 12. Sorry. One, <laughs> one of the things that just absolutely blows my mind is TCU has done all this after they lost to Zach Evans this off season. If Who Zach hasn't Evans lost was, Zach Evans at this point? <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think if Zach Evans was on this team, they would have like a 20 plus point margin of victory on all these teams. Because you've got Dugan doing his thing, and then you had Zach Evans beside him in the backfield. Like that just and Zach Evans isn't even getting the lion's share of carries at Ole Miss. I think no, you know, it just he'll obviously do things in the NFL for at least a couple seasons, but if mm-hmm. there's a choice to be made and you're in a room with Zach Evans, do what he chooses not to do. It's an anti anti uh like example, fade Zach Evans decisions. That <laughs> move of the lifetime. Yeah. So do you do you have a minute to uh go over these resumes that I got wrote out? Yeah, we can yeah, we can knock that out. All right. So we're gonna go over some resumes real quick. Um, just a few stats for each of these three teams. And then I might I'd like you to tell me which one you think is more impressive. Um, okay. Because these are three very prominent, highly ranked teams this season, and seems to be a lot of conversation between them for which one really deserves to be ranked higher. All right. So, Team A, overall opponent record is 26 and 22. That is a 54.17% winning percentage. Average margin of victory for this team, Team A, 32.57 points. Has one top 10 win for teams ranked in the AP right now. Team B, overall opponent record is 29 and 28. That is a 50.8% winning percentage. Average margin of victory is 26.5 points. Um, zero top 10 wins for the current AP poll. Team C has... An overall opponent record of 29-23, which is 55.7%. Average margin of victory is 26.4 points, and they also have one AP top 10 win. So if – which team A, B, or C, which one do you think is more impressive? I'd have to go with team A uh, there. I mean, that margin uh, – margin, uh... Uh, average margin of victory is you know significantly higher than those other those other ones top you know the one top ten team or uh, win I should say uh, yeah but I have to go with team A on that one. So if you had to guess, who who is team A? Is that Georgia? That is Georgia. Hell yeah! I've been blindly picking my dogs. Hell yeah! Let's go. <laughs> All right, team B. Is Alabama arguably, okay. yeah. arguably the least impressive of these three teams? Mm. And Team C, which to me, it is a relatively close second. Is, um, is that, is that, let me, can I guess who that is? Yeah. Is that Ohio State? Tennessee. Oh, okay. Okay. Ohio State has zero top ten wins this season. Was was um, uh, was Notre Dame not a not a top ten team? I don't remember. 
Oh, no, they probably outside well, of it, weren't they? Current top ten. Current top. 10. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and one that I kind of would have liked to have done and didn't have time for was adding TCU into the mix mm. because they have they have multiple ranked wins, at least one in the top ten. Um, and all the teams they've played and beaten have been good teams so far. It it'll take me a minute yeah. to come up with it. I'll um I'll probably end up putting it on our social medias after this comes out. But I think that's yeah, they do beat it for us. Go ahead. Oh no, I was saying they, they beat yeah, they beat Oklahoma, Kansas when they were ranked, Oklahoma State. Like they have some they have some high quality wins there and, and Kansas State for that matter. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I I personally think TCU is ranked too low. They've got a more impressive resume than both Clemson and Alabama, but they're ranked below them. But that's just beside the point. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that is going to do it for us tonight on the Nothing Finer podcast. As we always say, follow our Instagram at nothing.finer.pod. Our Twitter is at finerpod. Our Facebook group, just search Nothing Finer Podcast on Facebook. Um, ASW giveaway. I know I keep talking about it. If you haven't entered, please do, because the more people we get to enter in this giveaway, the cooler stuff that ASW is going to supply us with as we keep getting that word out and increasing both of our Instagram followings. Um and all you got to do to win a bottle of ASW Fiddler bourbon, a Fiddler t-shirt, and an ASW hat, along with one of our stickers, one of our koozies, and one of our t-shirts, is make sure you follow both us and the ASW Distillery on Instagram. Like the post. And we've got now we've got three posts up. So any like and comment on any of these three posts and for this week is acceptable. And then tag three friends in the comments. And the guys at ASW have told me that they're trying to work on some really cool stuff, but we got to get more interaction. So share it with some friends. Do whatever you got to do. Share the show. You know, help us out. We're trying to do cool stuff. We're trying to get you guys more involved. We need some help with that. Um, but, Mike, if you don't have anything else, I think we're going, we'll go ahead and close it out. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm ready for ready for game week. Ready to kick some uh, some gator ass. Like I said uh, <laughs> before, I mean, let's go. I mean, this is the best time of the year. All right, y'all. Always remember, there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk obnoxious Georgia fan. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need ten. Play clock at four. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted.